Hi, I'm Piper. And I'm Erin. And welcome to Off the Tracks podcast, where we explore what it means to do law differently. Today, we're so excited to be joined by Leah Clausen. Leah is a lawyer at Wolseley Law here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, where I live. She's also a former Pro Bono Students Canada coordinator, and Erin and I are so excited to chat with a fellow PBSC alum. Leah, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to have this conversation with you both. We're so excited, too. Thanks for joining us today, Leah. We're so excited to have you, as Piper said. We'd love to hear more about your journey in law. So can you tell us a bit more about what led you to choose law school and how your legal career has changed over time? Yeah, well, that thank you for that question. And um, I, yeah, just a I small one to get you started. <laughs> yeah, that's like I feel like oh my goodness, I have so many things to to say about that. Um, <laughs> but as you sort of mentioned at the top, um, I started in in law school as a PBSC coordinator in my third year, um, and that was sort of uh, kind of an awakening moment for me because when I started law school, I didn't really know what to make of it. Like I kind of was in that span of time where I had my arts degree in political science and English, the (laughs) most basic thing ever. And I'm like, I guess I go to law school now. Sounds familiar. And I had had some experiences sort of in my past where I'm like, okay, family law is something that I think I I might be able to use to to help people. The classic sort of answer of I want to help people. But I did kind of go into law school knowing that I I wanted to do it differently. Like and I didn't I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I know I didn't want to. To, to be on Bay Street and I didn't want a big firm experience. And I was very firm on that. I didn't know what it would look like, but I was very firm on kind of knowing that I wanted to do it a bit differently. And I think that that sort of started happening and sort of, sort of started formulating how I wanted that to look when I started as a PBSC coordinator. And when I was in law school, that was kind of when the big access to justice movements were happening, right? The Mm -hmm. Richard Wagner report, the futures report, that's kind of as that was happening. And being the coordinator of the Manitoba chapter of PBSC exposed me to all of that work. Um, And and what year were you called to the bar? 2015. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So I think I think those reports came out in 2013, 2014. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was sort of around that era when I was in law school that all of this was happening. Um, and that resonated with me really strongly. I'm like, yes, this, like th- this, th- this is important. This is kind of what I want my focus to be. Um, and PBSC is obviously really good at that, as both of both of you know. Um, and so I started off as as the coordinator for the Manitoba chapter, and then I actually went to Toronto after law school to work at the national office for six months. I did not do the articling process. I didn't do the interview process. 
Um, and it was really nerve wracking because everyone else around me was getting jobs and I didn't know what I was doing until April of the year that I graduated. I knew that I was going to Toronto, um, spent six months there. And then I came back and articled at the Legal Help Center here in Winnipeg, which if you're not familiar with, is an amazing organization in Winnipeg that helps people with legal problems who can't afford to get a lawyer. And that's sort of really established um, even in an even bigger way what I wanted to do and, and work with access to justice. And even though I kind of moved in a little bit of a different direction and I'm in private practice now, it, it still informs what I do what I do now. Um, and I don't know how much I want to talk about that. I feel like it's the long winded answer, but <laughs> it's amazing. Like we, we're, yeah. so, we're so interested and we're so invested. And I know part of the reason we were so excited to have you on the podcast is well, one for everybody listening, how Leah and I actually connected was I moved back to Winnipeg, um, after living away for school and articling, um, for eight years, I moved back to Winnipeg in the summer of 2020 and I also was thinking very much like kind of how Leah just described, what am I going to do? And all of my friends were getting jobs and I was like, not sure what was going on with me. And so I started to sort of reach out to people and I was very lucky to connect with someone who then connected me to Leah and Leah and I zoomed as one does nowadays, we zoomed one day. And we had a great chat and I just thought, wow, this is someone I want to be friends with, let alone network with, but this is someone I want to hang out with. And um, here we are today. So we're so excited. But Leah actually currently, um, after doing some really cool like family law and fertility work in uh, the GTA, Leah now works at a firm in the neighborhood I grew up in um, and the firm's called Wolseley Law. And so Leah, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about what led you to join Wolseley Law, how working at Wolseley Law has sort of changed the way you practice and also allowed you to um, keep up all of the important access to justice work that really sort of propelled your career up until this mm -hmm. point. And absolutely. I think that that's a great um, directed question to help get me on track. Um, so when, as Piper said, I practiced in the G GTA for a while and then it was time to come back home to Winnipeg. Um, and I called one of my good friends who I went to law school with to ask him for a job reference. Um, and lo and behold, now I work at his firm, um, Wolseley Law. Um, and I've been there for two years now. And the really cool thing about Wolseley, number one, is sort of the, the, the tagline and the idea of it is doing law differently. And everyone at the firm um, is very much of the mindset that, you know, work-life balance is important, access to justice is important, and they encourage all of those pursuits in, in the lawyers that work there, um, which is incredibly encouraging. Um, so some of what we do, um, which I think is really important, is provide unbundled services to clients, um, yeah. which is really common in provinces like BC and Ontario, but much less so um, in, in the Prairie provinces, unfortunately. And I think we're one of the only firms right now in Manitoba that provide that or at least advertise that service. Um, so I think that's really important. And 
uh, we're sort of trying to move towards providing more uh, forms online, more resources for people. Um, I'm I'm currently, along with one of my colleagues, doing training for Collaborative Practice Manitoba, um, which is conflict resolution training that will essentially allow me to be certified and work in the collaborative practice area because I firmly believe, especially in the area of family law, that that's where that's where it's going. Um, and we need to sort of be ahead of the trend. And if we can get more lawyers on board with mediation um, and collaborative practice, I think that's more accessible for people um, and uh, can eventually be a really cool access to justice initiative. Um, the firm has also allowed me to do other work. Like I've been able to work with the Law Society of Manitoba in um, a pilot project um, that is called the Law Library Hub because originally was supposed to be in the, the library at the courthouse where I work, supervise students to provide legal services for free um, to people who just walked into the courthouse and, and needed assistance filling out forms or answering questions right then and there. Obviously that's changed with COVID um, and we're now providing that service virtually. But the idea is of it being a pilot project of data collection because in Access to Justice, we know how important that is of, you know, why are people not using lawyers? Because it's not always income, right? Sometimes it is because they've had a bad experience with lawyers or their process just simply has become too long or they've lost trust with the legal system in general and they don't, aren't able to engage. So those sort of anecdotal uh, data collection points are really important and we're sort of doing that with, with that process. And so being a Wolseley Law has allowed me to do those kinds of things, which are I'm passionate about. And I'm able to work with other really wonderful, um, especially women um, who have been sort of supporting me throughout my career, who are also engaged in that. Um, and uh, it, it's been really, really cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. It sounds like an amazing law firm and a very supportive and collaborative workspace. And of course, we love that the law firm's tagline is doing law differently because we're trying to explore what that means. So thanks for sharing a bit more about how um, Wolseley Law does law differently and how you guys have been able to kind of break down some of those barriers and how you've been given freedom to do some outside work as well. That's really great to hear. Yeah. And Leah, I think too, Something that is so, I really take from the stories that you've told so far is you have just really allowed yourself to be authentic, which I think is so important. And when I speak to you, obviously I don't know you that well, but when I speak to you, you just seem really centered and so happy. And I obviously we're not all happy all the time and nobody knows what every, all the battles people are fighting themselves. Um, but I think so often, um, lawyers are portrayed as being, um, unhappy, um, overworked, not able to follow their passions. And obviously this is a generalization, but it is something that, uh, is quite a prominent stereotype. And when I, when I speak with you, um, both today and in the past, what I, what I glean from our conversations is that you continue to seek out new opportunities that allow you to explore the types of 
uh, practice you want to be a part of, like collaborative practice or projects you want to be involved with, um, or the types of clients and services you want to offer. And I think that that's so important. I think sometimes we we finish law school, we start practice, and I, I mean, show me a lawyer that isn't burned yep. out after university law school. <laughs> playing like introduce me to someone because I don't think they exist but we start practicing and we're just like I can't imagine more school or more training or more more xyz other than the mandatory um, professional development work we all have to do I guess my point being it's so great to see you continue to seek out these opportunities because clearly like they fuel you Mm -hmm. and that's so exciting to see and I think um uh, not that, uh, we have any sponsorships at all on this podcast, but I think it's just like the PBSC effect yes. in many ways, because I know when Aaron and I were working on PBSC, um, and it was probably similar for you as the coordinator, you got paid for a certain number of hours throughout the school year. Yeah. But for Aaron and I, it was very much like a full-time job, partly because we made it one and partly because it was one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were just, we, for lack of sounding corny, we just cared a lot. Like we really wanted the chapter to thrive. We were really fueled by the work that being co-coordinators allowed us to do and the impact it allowed us to um, try to foster and create. And so it's great to see you do that in practice because for the two of us at the very beginning of our career um, and others listening, I think it's such a great message to continue to seek out those things that really light um, a fire under you. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. It excites me a lot to hear this from you. (laughs) That's, that's good. And, and, and kind of on that vein, like, I feel like I started off that way with work that really fueled my soul with PBSC and with articling at the legal help center. But as I know, you've talked about in other podcasts, uh, that wasn't possible for me to continue on a financial basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that that work was wonderful, but it did not pay well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I had student debt and I, you know, had other, other things that I was focusing on and I perhaps drifted from that a little bit. And so even though I had great experiences in the GTA in terms of the work that I was doing uh, in family and fertility law, um, and I learned a lot and I still, you know, cared for my clients and, 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 and had, you know, good experiences. It didn't fuel my soul to the same level. And there was a glamorization of working long hours and increased billables and mental health was not prioritized by, by me. And that wasn't encouraged <laughs> either. Um, and I did not have the same level of, of, of joy or feeling like this was what I was meant to do. Right. And you almost feel like it's impossible to move away from when you're in it. Um, and it took sort of other life circumstances for me to move, move away and essentially get some perspective and, like what, what will fuel my soul again? And I'm very fortunate to be in a position now that allows me to do it. But it's interesting when you're talking about, you know, the fact that I'm seeking out training and, and, and those kinds of opportunities, because I was thinking about it actually today in preparation for the podcast, that that's actually something that has helped my mental health a lot. Like I find stagnancy 
is something that even though you know routine is important and that's that's important to me in my mental health but if i feel like i am being stagnant and not and not moving or or learning or or sort of moving towards my goals my mental health suffers and so putting a focus on sort of finding those opportunities of 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 learning because i'm a nerd and i like school <laughs> um and that's <laughs> fun for me. Um, I've, I've, I've learned that that is actually helpful to my mental health while also continuing to sort of set boundaries and say, you know, it's okay if you don't answer that email because you're in class, that's okay. That can be answered tomorrow and really making sure I set my boundaries in that way. I think someone on this call needs a lesson in that. And that person is Eric, not to call her out publicly. Erin, last night, we are recording this. Today is a Sunday. It's a Sunday afternoon right now as we're having this conversation. And Erin last night at, I think I want to say like 1.45 in the morning, her time was texting me um, about responding to a client email that was making a little anxious. Um, So Leah, I'm so glad you said that because I'm going to tell a friend, aka Aaron, to go listen to this episode um, that they can learn about boundaries. What are those things? Yeah, yeah, learn about some of those things. So thank you. I feel like this is very useful information that you can share. Well, I have to say, first of all, Aaron, I think it's so cool that you started your own firm. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. And like the fact that you, I mean, you have the opportunity to set those boundaries for yourself, right? There's no one telling you otherwise, (laughs) which is a wonderful opportunity to have. And just like as a fun little aside, something that I've learned because I, 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 we all have that urge, right? To immediately Mm -hmm. answer. Like, that's like the most, like we're, it's like ingrained in us. Like I must, (laughs) I must respond immediately. Something I found helpful is I'll type out a draft email and then it's out of my head and I leave it, and then I don't send it to an appropriate time. Because sometimes you just can't not answer. But yeah. that's just something something I try every now and yeah, again. But I, I, don't, I don't always succeed either. <laughs> I think Piper may have said, you know, maybe send it in the morning or, you know, Monday. But I was just like, I need this. I need this off my plate. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> but feel it's, that. it's funny that you say that too. Like sometimes like the life circumstances kind of force you out of that comfort zone and kind of give you more perspective on how to seek out those opportunities because I don't think that I would have gone out on my own if it wasn't for COVID because it was so ingrained in me that, you know, you've got a job, you look for hire back, you put in your time and then, you know, maybe you work towards partner or working in a government position, but outside of those options, like didn't really seem to be any other alternatives. So Sometimes, yeah, it just takes a outside force to kind of push you towards something that you want to be doing. It it really does. And I think law school does a really bad job about teaching you about other opportunities. Yes. And I mean, I think we all know that. And I don't think it's yeah. changed much, much since since my my time. Um, and one thing that I think really helped me and I was fortunate to know these people was surrounding myself with people who did law differently and who mm-hmm. had and and who and whose head succeeded 
in doing so and sort of seeking those people out as mentors. And, you know, the, the person that put us in contact, uh, Piper, is one of those people who has a significant impact on my career because of the things that she's done differently. And um, it's been very cool to, to see and know, have that as an example. Yeah, absolutely. And Leah is talking about Karen Dick, who is also from Winnipeg in the surrounding area and has had many different cool roles um, at the Law Society, at different nonprofits, a little bit in private practice. And uh, someone from the Elusive Law Twitter connected me with Karen, who then connected me with Leah. And we hope to have Karen on the podcast. Oh, wonderful. One day. Yes, I'll that will be great. I think she has. So much to add, and I feel like the conversation will be so rich. Um, but I, I have to promise Karen not to invite every <laughs> lawyer on the podcast. Yeah, one. we're gonna we're gonna um, start a daily <laughs> podcast at this rate. <laughs> That's amazing! <laughs> All these strong, powerful um, women. I love it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But yeah, we're very we're very excited uh, to have that conversation That's in the great. future. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, you kind of touched on a few different things that I think are, I guess, sore points for our profession, mental health, student debt. Um, And I guess it'd be interesting to hear what your opinions are on how you would change the legal profession or what you wish you could change about the legal profession. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The the list is long. I have to say, like whenever come someone comes to me and says, "Oh, you know, I don't like lawyers," I'm like, I I agree. I I I also dislike most of the people in my profession, and just because the way it's so slow to change, and I say that somewhat facetiously, but the profession is has been so slow to change um, in a lot of ways, and I actually think that COVID has had a good impact on the law profession. And I, I, I know I'm not the first person to say that, but I have seen the strides that the legal profession has taken in the last year, and it has been enormous. And it makes me wonder, like all those people who said that they couldn't, you know, get a, a, a couldn't not like not use a fax machine, <laughs> um, are now suddenly in Zoom court, um, and it works. Um, so it, it's been encouraging um, for me to see that change, but. I mean, of course, I think it needs to change more. Um, Mm -hmm. To answer that question, I think, you know, one of my answers would be the glamorization of long hours um, and responding right away um, and those kinds of things. I think that the more focus is put on boundaries and understanding that you will be a better lawyer. For, for having done so, and you will do better work for your clients having done so, and taking away that glamorization, that change will be will be wonderful. Um, and uh, when it comes to the student debt aspect, I'm not sure I have any answers for that. <laughs> but well, I you have certainly- a great article. I really enjoyed the the article, which we can link uh, in the show notes. But um, oh, I liked your so- answers in that. That was really interesting. Yeah, and I think that that hasn't necessarily changed. I think um, it was especially so in, ter- in in the GTA where there was a certain standard of living that a lawyer sort of was understood to have. 
Um, and it, 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 it sort of that answer that my landlord gave me was, oh, aren't you rich? And I just burst out laughing because it was so untrue. <laughs> like if you saw the amount of debt that I had, you wouldn't be saying that. Um, but there is sort of this, um, I think, misunderstanding of the legal profession as being, you know, immediately wealthy or well off. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're expected to to maybe act in that way? I think too, just to build off that, I think part of the reason, and this is just mm-hmm. a personal opinion, but part of the reason that that um, assumption continues to prevail is because a, a lot of people that enter the legal profession do come from generational Absolutely. wealth. And the legal profession is full of gatekeeping mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. practices, whether that's the LSAT or all of law school in general, or becoming licensed, depending on where you're getting licensed. And so um, all of these different gatekeeping bodies or institutions um, are made really challenging for people that don't come from generational wealth. So Aaron and I We'll probably talk about this on every podcast, but we every episode, but we both uh, don't come from generational wealth and we both funded our law degrees with that gorgeous uh, Scotiabank yeah. line of credit. Um, so we can definitely relate to the glamorization of what lawyers' lives should look like. And um, since moving back to Winnipeg, I've had a couple different part-time jobs, one in retail, one in a fitness studio. And I think sometimes when people kind of say, oh, like, what do you do outside of this or whatever? And I say, oh, well, I'm, I'm a lawyer. And they, their eyes go wide and they're so confused. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you yeah. doing here? Um, and I think the thing is, like, I'd love to break down that mm-hmm. misconception. Um, I think it takes a really long time in the legal profession if you're not mm-hmm. working at a firm where there's those long hours are glamorized and you're making the money that you don't even have time to spend um, from those long hours uh, that often people's lives don't look like, you know, the movies or the TV shows make it seem. And it's so confusing to people who don't live in this world with us. Um, But it's something that I'm definitely want to be more outspoken about. I think, Oh, sorry. Just to add really quickly on that, the the um, looking like in the movies, there was one day in articling and I wore like heels at articling and suits and I, I didn't dress casually in articling, um, but I went to witness a will and I walked in and one of the clients <laughs> said to me, oh, you don't dress like they do on suits. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, <laughs> I was just like. That's what you are basing. That's what you want yeah. me to look like. But yeah. I'm I'm practicing in Burlington, Ontario, not on Wall Street. <laughs> I know they film in Toronto, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's such an important conversation because I come from a single parent family. I funded law school by myself. Um, it And then going to law school was a bit, a bit of a culture shock for me, honestly, because there were 90% of the people there that, that came from a very different background from me. And there are, uh, you know, I know that there's, I, I think it's so important to talk about the economic barriers and the racial barriers that come from, um, that, that the start at that, at the law school level, and then 
that it that is another big problem with the profession and the thing that needs to change because it 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 leads to such a lack of diversity um, both racially and economically in the profession. And um, I, I honestly think that that most basic level, that's one of the most important things that needs to change. You know, speaking of that, I know that some, I think one firm in Toronto, at least, and I would love to be corrected by anyone listening if I'm wrong. So please bear with me, but I'm pretty sure that the firm Lesnar Slot has done blind recruitment. Um, so they're a big litigation firm mm-hmm. in Toronto. And I am fairly positive that I've read that they have transitioned to blind recruitment. So that means that um, either they have a program or when you submit your resume and cover letter, all identifying features are removed. And so it might say like, president of a club at law school that oversaw 20 members Mm -hmm. and raised money Mm -hmm. for a social justice Mm -hmm. cause instead of saying you're the president of whichever Mm -hmm. club Um, and taking out name, taking out gender pronouns um, and sort of seeing what talent they recruit in that Mm -hmm. way. And obviously this recruitment method requires um, applicants and the firms to put in a bit more work, but um, obviously I'm no recruitment expert, but I think that if we continue to move in that direction in every city center doing formal recruitments, um, the talent and the people that would have chances um, that maybe they wouldn't have if people's internal biases sort of counted them down and out before they were even given an interview, people, the diversity of the profession would hopefully continue to grow in a very authentic way that just counted people in because they are talented and have really cool life experiences. And I just think that's so important. Um, So I definitely agree with you on all of that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think, and again, cut this out if this isn't, (laughs) if this isn't right, but I think um, the CBA has a podcast out with the the new president of the Canadian Bar Association, Brad Regeer, and another lawyer in Winnipeg uh, here. Uh, Sorry, Aaron, lots of Winnipeg content. Uh, (laughs) Stacey Soldier. Um, who are, and they are both Indigenous, and they have a really sort of good conversation about diversity in the legal profession. So um, that's another resource to check out, I think. Yeah, we will definitely try and find that and link it in the episode notes. Um, With our podcast, what we're really trying to do is have these conversations with really interesting people like yourself. And then because of that, because we're sort of stepping outside of our immediate circle, we're learning all these things from people who are saying, oh, you should check this yeah, out and yeah. you should check this out. And I think that's so great because um, our goal is when you tune into an episode of Off the Tracks, you're not just like listening to one conversation. You're getting all of these different offshoots of you mm. should look at this and this might change mm. your perspective. And uh, we'll definitely link that below for people. Um, and we'll have to go take a listen and, and, as and well. And I have <laughs> to say that that was one of the other things that I was thinking about in preparation for this is something that has incredibly high helped my mental health and helped fuel my passion is, is, is finding content like this and, mm-hmm. and conversations like this, because it's, it, it, it's, it's becoming more prevalent um, and it's more out there, but finding that and sort of surrounding myself with that and, and, and thinking, oh, there are other people out there who think 
like me um, has been very affirming and very helpful um, in my mental health as a lawyer. I agree. And I think too, um, Aaron and I, obviously with this podcast, we're really putting ourselves out there because we're having these pretty personal chats um, when we record, um, which then we realize, you know, get released to the world, regardless of who chooses to listen. Um, But one thing that I am definitely uh, channeling in my own life and with this podcast is vulnerability is really cool. And um, I'd rather speak to someone who could be vulnerable, um, whether that's professionally or personally, um, because it, it establishes trust. And everybody is dealing with things that make them vulnerable, whether they share it or not. And I am not here to pressure anyone to be vulnerable, but I really appreciate having these conversations because I think and hope it'll encourage more people to open up like this, whether it's just to their immediate circle, or even if something in a conversation we have on this podcast helps someone in some way, I feel like, um, we've sort of achieved what we were hoping to do, whether that's contextualizing law differently, the legal profession differently, or even just how people take care of themselves in this profession or beyond. So definitely. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for touching. Yeah, I, oh. <laughs> I was going to say, I was just going to say both of you, like, I feel like we're so much on the same page. I love it. It makes me happy. I <laughs> <laughs> <As> do. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, it kind of ties back to what we were talking about before with the glamorization of hours and I, and the glamorization of, you know, working hard and keeping busy. And I think that that really comes hand in hand with the inability to be vulnerable or to kind of let that guard down. So you may use the, I'm so busy as a, as a mask to what you're actually dealing with or to push down other things that you're struggling with, mm-hmm. um, that, large generalization that it's not always the case, but, um, I know for at least with me, um, when I am keeping myself like go, 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 it's usually when I am stressed or anxious about something and I'm trying to keep myself moving. So, um, that's something that could be, you know, kind of tied together. No, I, I completely agree. And I so identified with the burnout cycle that you talked about <laughs> in your last podcast. When you talked about it, I was like, oh my God, that's me. I do that all the time. Um, but naming it helps, yeah. right? It, it brings it to your consciousness and then you're so much more aware when you do it. So Exactly. Exactly. So we have kind of a fun question for you. If you weren't a lawyer or in the legal profession, what would you be or what would you want to be? So like (laughs) I wrote, I would be Miss Frizzle, but for English literature, that would be my dream. If that could be anyone else, that's that's who I would be. Um, I've got the fun earrings. I've got the curly hair. Um, Do you I, have a bus? I don't, but I grew up driving a minivan and I would drive around all my friends in a minivan. <laughs> I feel like the easiest part would be to get the bus. Yeah, I think that's the easiest. Yeah, I'm born with the curly hair. Yeah, it's very on trend to kind of renovate like buses oh, yeah. nowadays and make it your own. So I think that not only 
would you get to be Miss Frizzle and teach students? But I also see a career here, like a career change here as a content oh my creator, gosh, yes. because often those videos of people like changing buses and making them look cool go really viral. And then you could have all of these like TikTok partnerships, or you could have like a really popular Instagram account. Leah, we can talk kind of <laughs> this total franchising ability. Yeah. That would so I love teaching. In an ideal world, like I would eventually teach and 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 yes, be Miss Frizzle in another world, um, but for but for super um, uh, pretentious literature, likely. <laughs> would you ever consider being Miss Frizzle um, at the law school? You teach a course at the law school. I don't taught. You? I taught yeah. a class. I've I've come in every now and again to teach a class. Um, okay. uh, at the University of Manitoba. At the University of Manitoba and Robson Hall, I, I I don't think I'm quite experienced enough yet to teach a whole course, but I would love to one day. Um, but I've taught about client interviewing. I've come in to talk about sort of access to justice issues every now and again, and I love it. It's super fun for me, and I work with students through the Law Library Hub. Um, and uh, yeah, something I'm passionate about working with students is just such such fun. Um, so one day, maybe. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, the last question that we love to ask all of our guests is what is something new that you've learned recently, just in general, in life, in law, whatever it might be? So something very fun that I've been learning is because I'm a pioneer woman at heart, um, <laughs> I have been hand stitching fabric collages. Um, wow. So <laughs> I understand a bit more what this means because you're talking to someone that almost flunked a mandatory grade seven sewing class. Yeah, so I, I can't sew. Bit, I just need a bit more context. Here. I, I, I'm, tr- I'm looking around because I usually have my sewing basket in the room here. I don't have it. It's in, my, it's in the bedroom right now, but um, it's, it's essentially, I have like a piece of, of, of batting, like foam batting. Um, I have pieces of fabric that I just, hand hand sew onto it it's it's blue fabric for water then brown for beach then more blue for sky um and then I just do little hand stitching patterns to make clouds and waves and it's freehand stitching art that I do while I watch my British murder mysteries um and that's my vibe in in COVID that sounds like a lovely evening That sounds very cool and like something that I will never be able to replicate. Um, but I'm very jealous. I would love to see some of it one day. Develop a picture uh, when I'm when I'm done. <laughs> okay, definitely, definitely. Leah, thank you so much for joining us. I could not stop talking about how excited I was oh, for this so episode. Lovely. To Aaron. Um, and I was so excited for you two to meet. Um, we will link all of the episode, uh, all of the resources that you spoke about in the episode notes, and we'll we'll put a link to Wolseley Law so people can learn more about how you guys do law differently. Um, but in the meantime, to stay up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at Off the Tracks Podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Okay. Bye.